0: on here on the High Motor Podcast, one of the, the probably final one or two podcasts of February, and I'm going to go back to the well on something here this week. So the week before the National Championship, Football National Championship, uh, for those of you that do remember, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler did a media teleconference answering some questions on Clemson LSU, but but also a whole pile of other stuff, and then ESPN gave me permission to share that teleconference in its entirety on this show. And some people after that said they liked having that. You know, the people that didn't normally get to listen to a teleconference like that. They liked the variety of topics covered in a really short period of time. So last week, Mel Kuyper did a teleconference, NFL draft coming up in two months here. And ESPN, again, gave me permission to air that entire thing on the podcast. Big thanks to Ali Stoneberg up in Bristol for allowing me to do so. And Kuyper really touches on on everything here. Uh, you know, he talks about the, the biggest smoke screens he's ever seen, talks about Jacob Eason versus Jake Fromm, CeeDee Lamb versus Jerry Judy. You know, what if Isaiah Simmons somehow drops a little bit, some of the quarterback stuff. Some of those those second, third tier quarterbacks aren't getting talked about as much, that feast of receivers, Lamb and Judy among them. And he said in this call, he thinks that, I believe the number he gave was, he thinks that 25 to 30 could go in the first three rounds, which would be blow the previous record out of the water that number seems outrageously high even with this class but still a lot of good stuff here covers a lot of ground so i have the entire thing if you are interested i trimmed out the moderator so it runs pretty smoothly for you again big thanks to ali stoneberg for allowing me to share that enjoy it and i'll be back soon with another episode of the high motor podcast can
1: you get cd lamb and kenneth murray up there really high also jalen Hurts. Um, I didn't see him in the first round. I hear rumors that he might, um, you know, try a different position at the combine. Can you kind of talk about the talent, the upper echelon talent
0: in the Big Twelve?
1: Yeah, I think you, know, you mentioned C.D. Lamb. Uh, he's vying with Jerry Judy from Alabama to see who will be the first receiver taken. I have Lamb to the Jets at 11. Um, you know, the way he was so versatile. You know, in most of his receptions, majority of his receptions overall, if you split them, you say 50% were at the slot spot, 50% were outside. So, whether it's slot or outside, he was pretty consistent both ways in terms of his overall production. So, you know, he right there and Judy back to back at picks at 11 and 12 possibly, and then Kenneth Murray. I mean, chiseled frame, very productive player should run under four or five or right around four or five you would think. I have a nineteen to the Las Vegas Raiders. So those two guys, and of course you mentioned Jalen Hurts. I have like a fourth round grade on him right now as a Taysom Hill type wild card. You can be a, a creative coordinator like what Sean Payton does with Taysom, get him involved, give defensive coordinators different looks, different things to prepare for. I think that will be Jalen Hurt's role in the NFL will be that Taysom Hill role. And I, I could see him coming off the board in around the, like I say around the fourth round area. Hey Mel, we don't, we don't see many quarterbacks selected in the first five picks, but early consensus on Akuda could be one of those rare exceptions. Just curious how he stacks up to Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, Denzel Ward, the the other guys that have been selected in the the top five the last decade. Yeah, he's going to have a, a high grade. Patrick Peterson, I had number one on the board when he came out of LSU, and the other guys you mentioned had high grades. Okuda is right up there. I mean, right now, you think about you know third, fourth on the big board, right with Tua, depending upon the medical for Tua, you could be looking at the third best player. So, uh, I've said all before when we were doing the mock, that if you're picking fourth like the Giants are, you got to get a guy, or the Lions, you got to get a guy in your top group. And uh, certainly, Okuda will be, I think, on most boards one of the top three to four players. So, uh, if you look at Chase Young once, I may have him too right behind chase young so his, his teammate at ohio state so he would make sense for the lions at three they need a corner the giants at four need a corner i don't think he's getting past there uh you know he a guy it's a complete corner he tackles well he's aggressive which is important in today's nfl so i think okuda is going to go very very early hey mel you've uh, you got josh jones going to denver how'd you weigh a tackle versus a receiver there and did the depth of the wide receiver class make an impact on that decision it did. There's just no depth to tackle. That's the issue. They're really after the top group. You're not going to find one unless you can develop a Sadiq Charles at LSU, uh, or you can develop a Matt Peard at Connecticut, or an Austin Jackson at USC. There, uh, the, the top five are pretty defined. Where wide receiver, you can find guys that may be better second round picks than some of the guys going the first round. Uh, yeah, I like so a lot of these second round receivers. So I think I was. That was the debate. I almost gave them. Uh, T. Higgins. Uh, and Henry Ruggs III would have been the two that would have been considered had Judy and Lamb gone. Um, so I would have been gotten down to T. Higgins from Clemson. i have to see what he runs, because 40-time will be important for him. Henry Ruggs III, I think the speed's going to get him into that 22 range. I think 15 may be a little high. So that's why I went with the guy that had the higher rating. Uh, and then Jones, right tackle, left tackle. A lot of these guys can play guard initially. If you, if you find you're, you're okay at tackle, then you can move a guy inside the guard. We've seen that in the NFL. I'm going back to Jonathan Ogden. He did start out at left tackle. He started out at guard. So, um, with Jones, I think a left tackle, right tackle guard, he gives you that kind of versatility. And he does have a grade based on after the senior bowl practices and a great year he had at Houston. Uh, he has a grade uh, in that mid first round area. Yeah, Mel, this is a similar question. You've got uh, Kinlaw to the Colts at uh, 13. Do you And again, unless they move up to get a quarterback, which is unlikely, do you just see that Kenlaw is the better value at 13 as opposed to? the next best quarterback, the next best receiver, or even left tackle. Him like I did, and I, certainly I don't know if he'll be there at 13. That's why he was the obvious choice when you got down. He couldn't drop any further. It would have been down to Tampa Bay or Indy at 13-14. I didn't go into Jacksonville at 9 and mock 1.0, but things changed since then with Simmons getting pushed down um, to that spot. Uh, but Kinlaw's right there with Derek Brown. So if Derek Brown from Auburn's going number 7, you could make a strong case that Kinlaw can't be far after. So to get him at 13 would be obviously a good pick there. Um, I mentioned the receivers. He does have a higher grade than the receivers that would be on the board after Lamb and Judy, you have going right before Ken Law in that mock, Mike, as you saw. Um, so that's why. And a quarterback, yeah, I'm with you. I think it, I don't see Herbert being there. I know Todd thinks he will be. I don't. Um, we'll see how that plays out if he were there. Obviously, he'd be an intriguing guy to look at. Um, I don't know if they would come straight up to get him. They'd have to go probably into the top six. But I do think if Ken Law is there, that's a guy that uh, I think would help them immensely along the interior of that defense. Line. Hey, Mel, when you look at the Jets, a two-parter on them, uh, how do you compare Lamb and Judy? Why do you like Lamb a little bit better right now in terms of what he does? And then also in terms of the Jets, uh, which offensive tackles do you think could potentially be there for them at that spot, and do you think that would be a uh, you know a possible pick considering their needs? Yeah, it would be. There's not i thought about that, um, and I did the last one. Uh, you know, the same thing. Which one will be there that is attractive to them? And uh, of course, uh, you know, Beckton from Louisville. I have going ten to Cleveland. I have Worst to Arizona. I have Wills to the Chargers. So that would get down to Andrew Thomas, who's dropped a little bit. and needs some technique work. Plays a little high, so he's got to get uh, down a little lower. And there's quick uh, Ben guys might give him a little bit of trouble. So he's got to improve that technique a bit, but he's got a lot of talent, and he works hard. And then uh, Josh Jones from from uh, Houston would be the one that I thought about there, but that might be a little early. So I went with a higher-rated guy at a position of need, a receiver, big need for Sam Darnold, and C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, they, they both have the same grade. Uh, you know, as I said before, Lamb a little more versatile, and that he can be a slot guy or uh, be an outside wide receiver threat. Uh, Judy is a real good route runner, but he, you know you got to remember he had a lot of help there in Alabama. You know you had you know, Devontae Smith would have been a first round pick if he came out this year. Will certainly be a first next year. You know Henry Ruggs is right in there. Jalen is in the first round. Jalen Waddles, a guy not even draft eligible, was going to be a high pick. So there were so many other guys to worry about. The college teams have maybe one corner tops. They don't have two, three, four. So I think he'll uh, have to adjust to teams pressing him more, getting in his face more, uh, being a little more aggressive at the line of scrimmage with him than they were in the, at the collegiate level, where Lamb was the guy that everybody knew. You identified Lamb, and they still couldn't stop him. So that's why I just gave, in this mock, a slight edge to Lamb. But in terms of grade, they're both equal. Now, uh, who do you expect is going to be the first Miami Hurricane player to be drafted? And uh, which former Kane stands to gain the most from the NFL Combine? Well, I think when you look at, at you know, again, we've talked about over the last few years, some guys that were going to be maybe in that mid-first round, I mean, mid-round area, no first-round caliber players. I, I look at it right now, and I think Trayvon Hill has upside a transfer from Virginia Tech uh, because of the pass rush that everybody wants, uh, you know, I and mean, he has flashed that. I thought he'd be a little more consistent with that and more productive with that this year, uh, but I think he's the one, like I say, because of what everybody wants and everybody needs, uh, he may be the guy that comes off the board. I mean, you think about Shaq Quarterman and his production, Uh, but again, it's not 1985, 95. Those types of linebackers now—you you got to be an all-around player. So uh, again, Quarterman's more of a mid-round guy, but I do think if you look at the the what the league is all about now, Trayvon Hill kind of fits that. No, I wanted to ask you about a couple of Michigan guys. Uh, First off, Josh Uche, outside linebacker. Where? How how do you think he benefited from the Senior Bowl? And then Ben Bredesen, offensive lineman. Where's his ceiling in your mind? Yeah, I think Ushi is a solid second-round pick. Uh, the pass rush ability, he has the bend off the edge. Uh, obviously, Senior Bowl week and all that. I, I, I even have one. Somebody even says I wouldn't be shocked if he jumped into the late first because pass rushers go. But I'd say second round, that worst third round. But I'm saying I'm thinking second round for Ushi. Bredesen to me, if you look at the pure guards, and there's a lot of these guys can be versatile guys inside, outside. But of uh, the pure guards, uh, I think he's arguably the best in this draft. So I would say, know, yeah, probably third round area. Uh, maybe second, but I'd say third round for Bredesen, and I'd say second round for Ushi. Hey, Mel, where do you see this LSU class and its place in the NFL draft's history? And uh, I see you've got five drafts in the first round. Could it set some records? Yeah, it's, it's so many guys, and some of these guys opted to go back, which is great for LSU to have that happen, uh, where you get somebody returning. But, um, no, it, it just it really... Emerged this year with Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow had a late-round grade going into the season. Now you have the number one pick, which kind of uh, illuminates the whole thing for the LSU draft, because now you've got the number one guy. Now you have Jefferson, who developed this year into a first-round caliber receiver. He was not that last year. Remember, he had some drops and was inconsistent. Didn't have nearly the production last year. Uh, Jefferson, had, with 54 catches last year, jumped way up with that and the touchdown. So I think Burrow and the New Orleans Saints offense, with Joe Brady really helped Burrow and helped uh, Jefferson. Clyde edwards Barry emerged. Remember, Brussett was their, their top rusher. He, had, he doubled up with what Edwards Solaire had in terms of productivity, touchdowns and, and yards. And all of a sudden, here's Edwards Solaire doing a great job. Cushenberry emerged at center. Sadiq Charles is a developmental tackle. Ch- on came back from the injury and really finished strong late in the year uh, with most of the sacks coming late in the season. You know, Patrick Queen uh, wasn't even considered a guaranteed start. He was a guy all-around guy, and he emerged as their most improved defensive player. Dave Aranda had said that. He was their most improved player. Now, Delpit didn't have the year expected because of the ankle, so there's kind of mixed opinion on him. Christian Fulton, borderline first. Uh, Jacob Phillips is a a mid-round guy. So there's, like I just said, uh, and you will also see... I think, you know, Thaddeus at Smoss, obviously, Randy's son, go in that mid-range as well. Sullivan, who didn't even get much production at all, as a late-round possibility. Uh, yeah, so you can go on and on, and Lawrence up front on the D-line, uh, Divinity. I mean, there's, it is a, an incredible class of, of, of prospects from the first round all the way through the late rounds. Uh, they're going to be well-represented. Mel, well, you've been consistent with your Titans pick at 29. Why do you like Gross Matos there, and maybe who's, could some other options be at number 29? Yeah, that's where I was looking at maybe a Zach Bond uh, from Wisconsin, who kind of Mike Rabel type, you know, coming out of Mike. They're going out of Ohio State is that combo guy. Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, Big Ten, combo guy. Productive, high uh, intensity, uh, you know, highly motivated uh, type of player. Uh, has some versatility. But getting after the quarterback, I think that's something you need. And whether it's Zach Bond from Wisconsin or Gross Matos from Penn State, um, you know, I think they're, they're then they hustle. I think that's what Gross Matos with Rabel You like the guys that will hustle. And, and be uh, team-oriented, and Gros Matos is that kind of guy as well. So both Big Ten, um, both guys that could help just could see help that Titan defense. Mel, I, I know you have Jacob Eason going in the first round of the Patriots. I'm wondering uh, what kind of quality pass catches you might see uh, with their three third-round picks available. Well, I think when you look at the guys that could drop that far with a depth at receiver, uh, that's where you get into Lynn Bowden, Jr., Kentucky. Um, you would get into, at that point, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, Van Jefferson from Florida, um, Devin DuVernay from Texas, uh, Chase Claypool, Notre Dame, uh, Brandon Ayuk Arizona State, K.J. Hill, Ohio State. Uh, that's that's the guys I think you could Denzel Mims from Baylor. Uh, Those Colin Colin Johnson, Texas. That, that could be some of your third-round guys, uh, Courtney Davis, Texas A&M. Uh, I don't think Jalen Rager is getting to the third. I think he's a two. He's going to be one of the fastest players at the Combine from TCU. Um, I'd say Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State could. Michael Pittman, Jr., I think is more of a two, but if he got into the third because of a lack of great speed, he would be a, a good pick there as well. So uh, the, it's going to be, a, I think, 25 receivers in the first three-and-a-half rounds, 18-20 uh, to 20 in the first couple uh in the first three three and in the first three going into the three and a half to four you 'll probably have twenty five receivers taken, so this is going to be maybe historic i'd have to go back and check the numbers if we have when we 've had that many but uh we could have you could see i could see eight receivers go in the second round uh maybe five in the first and eight in the second what challenges now do you see uh Jake Fromm facing at the combine, and what are teams going to need to see from him as they make their evaluations? Only thing's going to be on display there. He's going to have to show that is the necessary arm strength, uh, because that's going to that's going to determine is he Aaron Murray, is he Andy Dalton? You know, that, that's what I think everybody's trying to figure out. You hear, Aaron, well, he's maybe he's more like Aaron Murray. Well, maybe he's more like Andy Dalton, okay? So if he's Andy Dalton, you're talking about a second-round, early second-round type quarterback. If you're Aaron Murray, you're talking about a later-round quarterback who's now playing in the XFL. So, again, you know, that's where people are going to have to make that decision based on arm strength. We know he has the smarts. We know he has the leadership. We know he's an accurate passer. Forget the number. He lost all his receivers going into this year. So you know he can do all of that, uh, but is the arm good enough, and that's what he's to, people are going to be really scrutinizing with uh, with Fromm going through this whole draft process leading up into late April, which will determine whether he's a second round pick or whether he's a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, I think after all said and done, he may, he may fall in the third round, but uh, the second round's a possibility if that arm showcases to be well enough. Hey Mel, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley. Like, where do you see him going in the draft, and what are kind of his strengths and weaknesses at this point? Well, he started out the year looking like he would be in the second, third round discussion. He was certainly a guy that, uh, you know, when you look at what he was able to do at Iowa uh, in terms of just dropping back in that pocket and, and scan the field and making some accurate throws, I, you thought, well, if he can improve and and, uh, and and keep making strides, he could end up being a second round pick. But I, I kind of kind of leveled off a little bit. You, I guess you could make that argument this year from last year, just looking at the numbers across the board, looking at how he performed. Um You know, he needs to be protected by a really good offensive line. Uh, He does run a little hot and cold. Um, You know, some of his head-scratching throws are still there. But, you know, he's got the arm talent. Uh, He's got tons of experience in that Iowa offense, which is going to prepare him very effectively for the NFL. Uh, I think instead of a second, third-round pick, which you thought back in August was maybe possible, I could see him being a a fifth- to seventh-round pick uh, by the time we get to late April. It certainly has a chance. Uh, to maybe develop down the road into a backup starter. We'll see. I don't know I don't, it'll go that far. But I'd say in the fifth to seventh round area, uh, you know, he could come off the board. Uh, he's, like I said, his grade did drop a little bit, but he's got the arm talent. That's what could get you drafted. Hey, Mel, I had a couple questions about uh, two Alabama players you've already kind of touched on a little bit. But Henry Ruggs, you mentioned maybe mid to late first round. How much is his status dependent on running an elite time at the Combine and then, second question on uh How much do you think? Um, how 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 are teams weighing that medical side of it with his elite talent? Yeah. That's- the balance that you have to strike there. And I think it's the medical that's going to have to sign off. The medical people, your experts in that field with three lower extremity injuries, the ankles, both ankles and then the hip, it's going to determine everything. Uh, you know, if, Whether he's a third, fourth pick in the draft on somebody trading up, whether he goes to Miami at five, the Chargers at six, or he drops down to Indianapolis at 13, is going to be determined by uh, the medical. I think he goes in the top five. I think people are going to look at him and, and the medical technology has come so far now. The reports so far have been pretty positive. We'll see. But even if you have to medically redshirt his first year. I made the point yesterday, hey, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his first year. It wasn't because of injury, because they had Alex Smith. He played in one game. And so you know, people looking at Patrick Mahomes didn't play. So there's nothing wrong with you know, letting his body heal, and that may be needed. In terms of rugs, I have him to Buffalo because Josh Allen needs that down-the-field threat. He's got the big arm. He's got Cole Beasley in the slot. He's got John Brown on the outside, but they're both in that five nine five ten 10 range. Uh, now you get the, a guy with speed down the field who's adept at that vertical stretch uh, ability, and, uh, and Josh can throw as far as anybody, so I think uh, you know Josh had made tremendous improvement, got him to the playoffs, and I think Rugs would help that offense, and and Brian Dayball even more so. Hey Mel, the Ravens are always trying to look to improve at wide receiver. What wide receivers represent probably the the best value at the bottom of the first round. That's a good question, James. I I think it's going to be very tough to find somebody at that point. I I just think, you know, Henry Ruggs will be gone. Uh, Obviously, anytime you run four, two, five, which will be, you're going to, you know, somewhere. John Ross came off the board in the top ten. He's, I think, he's better than John Ross in terms of, uh, you know, the potential that he has moving forward, or at least as good coming into the league as what Ross was. So uh, he's going to go uh, not as high as Ross, uh, but somewhere in the middle to later portion of round one, and not as late as that. I think twenty-two to, I'd say twenty-two to twenty. 5 would be as far as I could see him dropping Jamison on him. So then it gets into K.J. Hamler at Penn State, who if he was more consistent, would be a guaranteed first. Uh, Justin Jefferson, LSU, uh, Bens on a 40-time there. Uh, Jalen Rager, TCU, I'm more of a second-round grade on him. So I, I think linebacker, I gave him Patrick Queen, From LSU, I think that would be a great fit for them uh, because he's a three-down guy. He had a phenomenal year, well-coached with Dave Aranda there, great tackler you saw that in the game against Clemson, kind of saved them in a couple of those spots there uh, in that championship game. So I think if Patrick Queen were there, and I've had him there in the mock on both one and two, uh, I think that would supersede maybe a wide receiver that doesn't have a first-round grade. Yes, man. what makes Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia, such a good prospect? And then how does this draft Back up with the uh, Falcons, never in the quest to find some pass rush. Yeah, in terms of Thomas, first of all, I think just a little more technique work. And I think is, is great. You know, people thought maybe seven, maybe eight to Arizona, 10 to Cleveland. I have him 18 to Miami. So uh, he's dropped a little bit uh, in technique work. You know, he uh, to improve just a bit. But he's a kind of hard worker, and he gives you everything he has. And he's going to keep getting better and better. So I think, uh, you know, the ceiling is, is high enough where he could be a mid-first-round pick, still at worst a late-first-round pick. Um, in terms of Atlanta, I have them taking the pass rusher in A.J. Epinesa. He's got sack production over the last two years, consistent. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, rarely does Kirk uh, Ferentz get those kind of play- – he develops great players, but they don't usually come in. And Epinesa came in with that high grade, and he performed. They can move him inside. You can kick him inside uh, in situations there, getting him over to the center guard. So he gives you versatility, great effort. Uh, either Epinesa or, or Claibon Chason from LSU, I think, would be possibilities there uh, for Atlanta needing that pass rusher. Hey Mel, uh, two receivers. I want to get your take on. You mentioned Higgins from Clemson earlier, and also Chenault from Colorado. Uh, what's what's your take on those two guys? Higgins is interesting. You know, he's six four. He's got great, great ball skills, but he doesn't you know separate. He doesn't have that explosive burst out of his break. Uh, I'd like to see a little more physicality in those jump ball power forward type situations with him. How he runs will be important. Some think he'll run four five five. We'll see if he runs in that four five two to four five five range. He'll be certain in the mid-first. I think Philadelphia is a possibility. Buffalo would be a possibility uh, at 22. Philadelphia at 21, Buffalo at 22. Uh, Chennault, I like. love his versatility. I have thought about Buffalo with him, because on those jet sweeps, uh, Brian Dayball loves that type of guy. He can come around and flip the ball, and he can do some damage. He can get him in the backfield in the wildcat. He's done that. Uh, He did have the injury, and uh, I think people want to see him. I think evaluate him as to whether he is a late one. Uh, I keep hearing seconds. I took him out of the late first, but uh, put him in the second. But uh, he's borderline. He's one of those borderline guys I could see very easily going between 22 and 32, and worst-case scenario, go early to mid-second round. Now, what are you hearing about uh, from uh, how teams feel about the combine changes, the changes in schedule and the interview time uh, and uh, limitation schedule? Well, we're going to be there again. Uh, yeah, I don't glean a lot from the combine myself. Uh, you know, I was there, and you, know, you watch it, and watching guys run for Some teams are keeping the, some of their coaches back to evaluate film and, and spend that time more wisely because you're going to get all the numbers. Now, the interviews are important, and then the, and they have their numbers, and they have all that, and who they're bringing in to interview, and the medical is critical, is, is key to all this. And you get those medical reports, teams all being there, getting that. But the interview is something, you, obviously, we can't get into, but that's huge for these teams. Uh, watching them work out, watching a guy throw against there doing all the drills and, you know, watching it not, you don't glean a lot from that. Uh, but you know, it's good to be there, it's good atmosphere, it's great to watch football and anything you get. So I will be there all next week but um in terms of uh, at night, you know, as opposed to when it was, whatever time of the day it is, you're there, you're doing, it, you're watching it, and you're, you're covering it. So uh, I don't think the time change matters to me, and matters to anybody in the league. But uh, like I say, I think uh, just getting all the numbers are important, and then the pro days come up after that. But um, and I think the three cones, and I think you know, the test explosiveness with the broad and, and the verticals, there's some and, and see how strong guys are, which tells you a lot about how they prepare and how serious they are about their work. Those bench press reps determine a little bit about that as well. So. So there, there's things you take from every drill and every number you get. Uh, so yeah, it's important, but I don't. Uh, the changes don't impact anything for me at all. Mel, so you moved Justin Herbert up in your latest mock. How much is for him is going to be dependent on Tua and the medical outcome there, and how teams view him, and what can Justin do himself uh, throughout this draft process to improve his stock, at, if at all. Yeah, that's a because he went from six to five. He didn't move up much. He went from the Chargers to the, the Dolphins. That was the, the whole Tua being optimistic about the, the medical. If Tua drops to five and the Chargers are sitting there at six, with a possibility to get Justin, I think that yeah, there's nothing you can do when you know, obviously games are over. I think that showing that you're a, you have that it factor. I think the most important thing is show that it factor, show you can command a room, that you have that aura about you, uh, that, that, that if you walk into a room, guys say hey, you're a leader. That's like, so what Josh Allen was a tremendous competitor, come out of Wyoming, most competitive player Craig Bull ever coached. That's you hear the Buffalo Bill players say, hey, hey Josh is going to lead. He let them to the playoffs. Hey, These guys going to take us to the Super Bowl. We just follow Josh's lead, and we know we you know. He's going to win a lot of games and win big for us. And that's what I think Justin Herbert has to show. We know he has the athletic, physical talent, the arm talent, the athleticism, the mobility. We know how intelligent he is. We know what a great kid he is. Uh, is he instinctive enough as a quarterback? And does he have, i say, that it factor to be that incredible, off-the-charts competitor that uh, a lot of times separates the, the good ones from the average ones, the great ones from the good ones, uh, the, the, the average to good from the bus? Uh, a lot of times is what level competitor are you? And I think that's what teams want to really find out here. Your thoughts on uh, two main Notre players who have received some buzz over the last couple of months, uh, first-round buzz over the last couple of months, and Julian Aquara and Cole Comet, and then see if there's any other uh, Irish players that are interested in heading into the Combine. Yeah, you know, as a Notre Dame fan as I am, I, you watch these guys. Julian O'Quara, of course, with the injury, I think he was would have been a solid second-round pick, and we'll see how that all turns out. But I think Cole Komet's the most interesting for me as far as the first round. Had him in there earlier, took him out. The questions about speed will be answered at the Combine Pro Day. Uh, if he runs in the four sevens, I think he's in the first-round discussion. Four eights puts him in the second-round area. So I think Cole Komet's the one to keep an eye on there. Chase Claypool as well, that has a heat test uh, with his size, uh, will be important. Same thing with Tony Jones, uh, the running back. Um, and, of course, on the defensive side, I mentioned O'Quara, but Troy Pride Jr., he should be should be able to showcase 4-3 speed, good senior bowl week. Uh, by the time we get to late April, I think Troy, Troy Pride could be a, a solid second-round draft choice. I'd love to ask you about all the Ohio State players, but I just want to ask you about the two defensive backs who are not Jeffrey really Can you give me your assessment of uh, Damon Arnett and also Jordan Fuller? Darnett playing through that injury, I mean, the the way he performed, the, the, how aggressive he can be, and, and, and the plays he can make and cover, I like him. I've liked him all along. I think he, if he gets lost in the shuffle a bit, uh, he could be a really good, in that third round discussion type area, uh, really like everything about him. And, and Like I say, the play through and and have the injury and yet go out there and perform the way he did, a testimony to him, his character and, and just how he goes out about his business. In terms of of, uh, of Fuller, uh, the center fielder, um, I I have a, a day three grade on him. Um, I think Hamilton on the defensive line. Just to go today. With Devon Hamilton has moved up uh, a little bit. Malik Harrison, linebacker with that versatility, uh, is another guy to keep. Not Jonah Jackson, the guard, to transfer. Uh, he's moved up a bit. Um, you know, in KJ Hill, the receiver is going to be very interesting. And of course, JK Dobbins, running back, would have been a first round pick based on running ability, but he's got to take care of the ball and he's got to you know keep improving as a receiver. Saw so a couple drops in that uh, in that playoff game. So to me. Uh, you know, those are some intriguing guys, but I think certainly uh, a guy like Garnett, uh, he's not going to go where Kudel goes, but he's going to go, I think, somewhere on some at some point in time, when night like, two, day two. Now, like like Bill, I have a lot of Michigan players I want to ask you about, but if I could just touch on a couple, uh, Shea Patterson, of course, and and I saw you have Caesar Ruiz rated up there pretty high, and Peoples Jones, where you know it, it didn't have great numbers. Yeah, actually, I, I think in terms of the group you mentioned, the run, uh, you think about uh, you know Bredesen and Runyon and guys, but Ruiz is the one that has moved way up. You know, he played guard, as you know, early on in his career, then solidified with the anchor uh, that center spot kept getting better and better. So he's going to have a chance to be a first round pick. I try to get him in that twenty to thirty two range. I'm the Kansas City. Could have even given him uh, a little higher because he does play and has that ability to protect the center or guard. Uh, so I think uh, he will go with the first of that group. Patterson, I have under. Uh, Free agent grade on. I think he can. It wouldn't surprise me if he was a sixth, seventh round pick. I have a uh, priority free agent grade on him. And as far as uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Todd's a little higher on him than I am. I uh, just saw some inconsistencies with him. Uh, I want to see him become more of a power forward and take advantage of that size advantage that he has a little bit better than and more effectively and more consistently than he did. So I have a fourth, fifth round grade on peoples And I know Todd has a little bit higher grade on him than I do. Uh, and as I said, I uh, you know I think in terms of the uh, the defensive side of the ball, Josh us the safety. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he runs. and I think that will determine uh, you know, where he ends up in the draft. You mentioned Antonio Gandy-Golden as a, pup, as a likely third-round draft pick. What did you like out of him at the Senior Bowl, and what can he do better at the Combine to potentially raise his stock? Yeah, I wrote him up during the year on ESPN.com as an under the radar guy that I really liked, and I, he caught my attention. Uh, you know, he's a, like I say, he's got size. He plays physical. He can, you know, he'll catch with the, He'll be a hands catcher. Um, he knows how to use that frame to shield the defender, which I like. Uh, he showed a pretty good burst out of his break, which is important for a player his size. And then, as I say, he, he showed he can play with the big boys. So, uh, it, depending upon his workout numbers, uh, you could see him. I could see him going anywhere between the second and fourth round. Hey, Bell. I was wondering what Michigan State guys you think, or what Michigan State guy you think will be the their top prospect on the board, and then maybe some other guys you think will have the good, possibly hear their name called during the draft. Good question. I think because there's a lot of different players that are going to be in the later round discussion. But the guy I think, of all the players, uh, Kenny Willick has started out the year and looked like a, an elite guy, and then, of course, didn't get off to the great start, then came on late. But I think the player that I like in terms of grade the best is Josiah Scott, uh, the corner. Um, you know, he's 5'10, he's about what, 175. Uh, you, know, he, you know, he's the kind of guy, he's aggressive, he's a willing tackler, he's got good awareness, he was a really good recruit coming out, played right away. Uh, He's got pretty good ball skills, seven career interceptions. I like the tape. I like what I saw of him. Uh, I like the way he turns, like the way he flips his hips, like his feet. Uh, I think Josiah Scott uh, has a chance. He's going to help the secondary. Whether he's a starter, nickel, fourth corner, he's going to be a guy who plays in the league for a long time, I think, uh, as I'd say a third- to fifth-round pick. Hi, Mel. I was wondering what tight ends do you think might be a good fit for the Bears in the second round? There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be in that discussion as second-round tight ends. I think Cole Komet, the Notre Dame tight end would be a really good option. Harrison Bryant, Florida Atlantic. This guy just has a feel for getting open, Bryant does. It just has that natural feel for getting open. He uh, he, he hustles. He'll try to be a blocker. He'll try to shield. He's not a guy as explosive as a blocker, but he's a willing blocker. I like him a lot. Senior Bowl week certainly uh, helped him as well. Uh, Adam Troutman from Dayton. Love what I saw on him on tape. Wrote him up on ESPN.com during the year as well. You can access all that in the ESPN.com archive there. But those are the guys I think we would be the most intriguing. Uh, More Troutman, more third round. I would say, if I'm looking second round, it would be Komet. Bryant's got more of a third round grade, maybe second. Uh, Albert O from Missouri, Equibunum, has a uh, second to third round grade. If he runs 4.55 like as possible at the Combine, he could be in, like I say solidly in that second round discussion as well. Yeah, with the uh, Ravens at 28, just curious what you think are some of the similarities and differences between Queen and C.J. Mosley. And then if Queen and Murray were both gone, what do you think the Ravens might do at 28? Well, pass rusher, you know, again, uh, you know, with gross mottos from Penn State, an interesting guy, but, uh, you know, Lewis from Alabama had some injuries. I think that would be a little high for him. Um... Yeah, I think you can find some of the. The Ravens have been done a great job with uh, Zadarius Smith and Nat Judon and going back to Pernell McPhee, finding pass rushers later. And I think that's what they have always been able to do. And I think they can do it this year as well. You'll you'll find somebody in that fifth, sixth, seventh round they can go after the quarterback. I, I think Queen or Murray, that's a toss up right now. Murray going at 19, Queen dropping down the ball in the morning. They may be gone. Uh, you know, but basically, right now, Queen, I I think because he had that one great year and of course, this is a guy that you talk know, about improvement and Dave Aranda touched on this as the most improved player on a talent-laden defense. And as I said, he was a key entity in that, uh, their ability to win a championship because he made some critical plays. And the improvement, as I said, going into the year, he had 40 tackles two years ago. So he goes from being a guy who was maybe eighth on the tackle chart to being a guy that was all over the field making plays. So I think Patrick Queen, if he tests well, will not be there for Baltimore. Uh, if he tests just okay to, to average, to take good, I think there's a possibility he could. If he's off the charts and he has a great workout, I think he's gone. Uh, What positions do you think are going to be good fits for the Steelers there at 49? And then I wanted to ask you about uh, Dane Jackson from Pitt. Uh, We heard some good things from his performance at the Senior Bowl. Where do you see him ending up? Dane Jackson had some some impressive games. He was a little inconsistent, but I did like him through the course of the year. He was in my top ten cornerback group at one point. I'd say, you know, with a good workout, he could be, like I said, with Josiah Scott from Michigan State, third round at the worst, fourth, fifth round. I think the same for Dane Jackson. I could see third to fifth round for him. Uh, in terms of possibilities for the Steelers, uh, like I say, the, the Minkah Fitzpatrick trade actually turned out pretty well for them, wherein Miami ended up picking. Uh, I'd say a wide receiver, running back. They're always looking for a pass rusher. Uh, um, I think that could be a Terrell Lewis from Alabama. Only drops down maybe because of the injury. Josh Ushi, I think, it looks like a stealer to me. Uh, the kid out of Michigan. And if you're looking for a, a receiving entity or a running back entity at that point, I think you could be looking at Clyde Edwards, Hilaire from LSU, Cam Akers, Florida State. I think Anthony McFarland from Maryland will be a great late-round pick. As a, uh, you know, uh, go back to when uh, Trayvon Diggs, when uh, Stephon Diggs came out, his brother Trayvon's in this draft. But Stephon Diggs ended up being like a fifth-round pick because he had the injury. I think because of the injury, McFarland will be a good late round pick, and a receiver. I think Michael Pittman Jr. would be a guy to look at. It. They went, they got a uh, first, a second round receiver in uh, Juju Smith Schuster, and Pittman. I think uh, scouted his father when he came out of Fresno State as a real good running back. Uh, I think Pittman could be a good second round pick for somebody. Knowing what you know about Chase Young, what would it take if you're the
0: Redskins to give up that okay. number two pick and need?
1: Gotcha. I'm not appreciative of that question. Yeah, definitely Chase Young. To move out of there would take, you get bowled over by an offer. And, uh, you know, if you do, and Chase Young is arguably, and I say arguably because I, you know, I don't know what teams are thinking, the best player in this draft, uh, based on rating, especially with Tua's injury and in Burrow, uh, you have that one great year and people wondering about, well, he does not have any arm strength and he doesn't have the, the, you know, the, the enormous frame and all that. But, uh, yeah, I would say for Young, a past rusher who had all those trip sacks, um, and force fumbles with the strip sack. I think it was six or seven this year. He would have had more than that. He might have had nine or ten had he finished out the year strong, which he didn't. He was quiet in those last three games. That's why instead of thinking about him at one, Cincinnati obviously has to take Burrow. Uh, so it would take just a you know, you're not going to get a quarterback type offer there because they're the ones that demand you know, the, the huge offer. But Chase Young, if you get an offer that you just can't refuse, then maybe you think about moving down a little bit, picking up extra choices because this team has a significant number of needs. Other than that, unless you're bowled over by an offer, you take a guy at two who on most boards I think will be the number one player in Chase Young. I want to ask you about a couple Canadians. You've already talked about Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. What are your takes on Oklahoma defensive tackle Neville Gallimore and Ohio QB Nathan Rourke and if there's any other Canadians on your radar for the draft. Yeah, Gallimore is a guy who is right now, and that's a pretty good defensive tackle group from a second, third-round area. And I moved Justin Madubike from Texas A&M into that first round to Seattle. Um, Gallimore was a possibility. I think a solid second-round pick. He, he gets penetration. I you want defensive tackle. That's what Ross Blacklock from TCU's in that mix, Jordan Elliott, Missouri, James Lynch, Baylor, Raekwon Davis, Alabama, Devon Hamilton, Ohio State, but of all those guys, who are the best at getting into the backfield and, and being disruptive? And that would be after Derek Brown from Auburn and Ken Law from South Carolina. I think Matt Ubuike would be next. And then you'd be looking probably at Lynch and Gallimore. Uh, and Lynch is more of a 3-4 end. So I think Gallimore was his strength. And the fact that he was a guy that I thought really popped in some games. I mean, he, he really impressed me. So I would think second round for Gallimore. Thank you. Uh, Mel. in your article on, on Tua, you use the term smokescreen as a possibility with the Lions. What's the biggest smokescreen you've ever seen at a draft? great question. Uh, you know, you think back on some of the, the things that went on in terms of trades and, uh, you know, and teams moving. I remember, that's why I say we're quarterback. Teams move up to get the quarterback, and I just think about, you know, you think about San Francisco sitting there at two, and you had know, they forced the Bears to go from three to two to get Mitch Trubisky. Uh, they ended up with Solomon Thomas. That same year, you're trading up to get Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City did. John Dorsey was the GM who made that move uh, with Andy, uh, Andy Reid to make that move to get Patrick Mahomes. They up, uh, O'Brien did to get Sean Watson. So I think that you know I don't say smoke screens, but some things you see with quarterbacks now, with teams that have picks and say, okay, these picks are valuable because you got to get. That's why I think for the Lions and for the Giants, those two picks are valuable because if a, if you get a. Uh, very positive medical report on Tua, and teams want to move up, that's the spot to go ahead of Miami. And it may even force Miami, as I said, to go up. So I don't think it's any I'd actually smokescreen. I think you throw out different things. And if, you're, if you feel like, okay, we can pass on Jeff Okuda and, and move down, or we can maybe still get Okuda by moving down, or if the Giants case, we can still get an offensive tackle by moving down, then you think about doing that. Hi, Mel. Uh, beyond having the best arm in the class, what do mm-hmm. you think makes it? Ethan a good fit here with the Patriots if and it's not Ethan there at twenty three. Uh, who are some other players you might like for the Patriots in the first round? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I gave Easton to New England uh, as a possibility there or through via trade. I, I, so Todd and I have this rule, which I made the rule, just don't project trades because they distort the whole mock draft. So I never do that. But I do find, well, I said yesterday, well, su- subtle ways to circumvent the rules isn't always a bad thing. And uh, so that's the kind of way to put it with a team that makes sense, but also figure that there could be somebody trading in there. And that's what usually happens in that 23 to 32 range where a team will trade in to get that quarterback, Um, especially later in the first round. We've seen that. So I think that's a possibility where that pick could be dealt. Somebody could be trading in the late first for somebody to jump in and get Eason. Eason has a rocket arm and he has imposing size at 6'5", 6'6", 235 pounds. He has some strong performances. Now, he did not have consistent necessarily against elite teams from the first quarter to the fourth, and by that I mean in the fourth quarter, there's some throws he didn't be more accurate with, some things he needed to do in terms of playmaking in the fourth quarter didn't happen. That's why they lost leads to Oregon and Utah, lost four of their five games by six points or less. So he's not perfect. He needs to improve in some areas, but you can't teach the kind of size and arm he has, and that's why I think somebody could look at him in the late first at worst second round and if New England didn't take him or didn't trade there I, I thought Xavier McKinney from Alabama the safety uh, Grant Delpit safety from LSU would be two guys to consider at that point and Mel, two things uh, thanks for the call as always but uh, just building off the smokescreen question with the Lions do you really think they'd have the I don't know gumption or whatever you call it to take two at three when both you know, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are on the hot seat and then when you're done with that just a little bit more on Adam Troutman who you mentioned you know what's Senior Bowl, but what's kind of you know holding him out of that that top group of tight ends, I guess. Yeah, in terms of Tua and, and the Lions, yeah, you can always. And I agree, they need, they need to win and all that, and and, and that's important. Uh, Tua, if you drafted him, that would send a message to ownership to say, hey, you know, we got a quarterback now. Could be the heir apparent to Matt. and Matt's had, I think, like an outstanding career. Um, you know, coming off an injury, uh, there's a trade possibility there with the, with the money involved? Like I say, you could redshirt Tua, which may be the best, the medical redshirt for that one year. May be the best scenario for him moving forward for his career and to benefit him moving forward. The trade possibility is, I think, is real there for they, them, or the 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 New York Giants, the Lions, Giants at three-four. In terms of Adam Troutman, uh, yeah, you watch the kid. Just the way he merged in terms of the position after you know adapting to being a tight end, doing dominating that level, the hands, the fact that he can. You know, just overpower people at times in the open field. Uh, his aggressiveness, uh, I think all those things were on display. So uh, it would not shock me with a great workout to Trout. We saw Adam Shaheen go in the second round, small college kid. Now he hasn't panned out in the NFL, and Troutman will. We thought Shaheen had a, a chance to be a developmental guy, but Troutman's got a higher grade uh, than what Shaheen had. So uh, the second round, is not out of the realm of possibility. Hey Mel, what's your assessment of Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of Wyoming, and how his skill set might translate to the NFL? And then, what what kind of grade do you have on him going into the combine? He's got a chance. I mean, he's a three down linebacker. He can run. He's a, he's got good range. He was a. a- dominant player uh, for Wyoming throughout his career. Uh, you look at what he was able, the numbers he was able to put up are staggering in terms of the, the tackle numbers. Uh, and in college, sometimes you get credit for tackles where you're just in the area or you're, you come in late, but uh, to have the numbers he had uh, you know, consistently throughout his career to remain durable and, and, and as well and to be out there game after game, uh, I think he's got a chance. So With a good workout, he should test pretty well. I think I'll project him right now as a third-round pick. And I have him right now as the fourth or fifth-best inside line. Linebacker, uh, late second to third round for Wilson, I believe. And I, I'd, I'd say, like I said, I think he's gone before day two ends. Hey, Mel, I was wondering your thoughts on some of the University of Virginia prospects. I know Bryce Hall sort of stands out. Uh, maybe it's the main guy, but also Bryce Perkins, a quarterback. And uh, Joe Reed, receiver, just your thoughts on those prospects. Yeah, I think in terms of Hall, the injury is unfortunate. He could have maybe been in that second round mix. I think now you're looking at probably day three. Uh, I'd say in that fourth, fifth round area uh, for him. Uh, I think Reeves got a chance. Uh, I think you know, to be one of those late round guys that, that that you know contributes maybe as a I wouldn't say undrafted but probably putting on how he works out sixth, seventh round type player. Perkins, another guy come in late. Uh, we see what Taysom Hill's done in New Orleans. I project Jalen Hurts as a fourth round pick as that type of, of of quarterback that can fill a role and give the defense something else to look at. Perkins could maybe be that type of player as well. So a uh, possibility there for late rounds for him. But I would say Hall still, even despite the injury, uh, is their first player drafted. Hey, Mel, I know you were asked about him a little bit earlier, but Liberty's Antonio Gandy-Golden, where do you see him as uh, maybe his biggest hurdle he's overcome to kind of be a, a starter in the league? Well, just adapting to playing against big-time corners that lock you down. Right, you know, You're not able to, uh, to physically have a mismatch against anybody. And that's really the, the thing about everybody. It doesn't matter if you come out of Liberty or you come out of, of Alabama uh, or, or Ohio State. It doesn't matter. You still have to adjust to that because most teams don't have more than one corner that can really do the job and be at a high level. And some don't even have that. So that's why it's it's an adjustment when you know that guy right you know a yard away is right in your face and now you got to deal with that. And you haven't had to deal with that before. Um so and being able to be precise with your routes and and that. So to me I think that's the adjustment but I, I don't think he's getting out of the third round. I think he's just too talented. He he had a great year and he had the, the senior bowl week. So I I'd, I'd say no later than round 3 for Antonio Gandy Golden. Hey Mel, you had uh, Winfield Jr to the Vikings at 25 and you're later at mock and you mentioned that you that you liked the 2019 tape. What exactly did you like about that tape that that you've been watching? Well, first of all, he's a great tackler. He you know, let him in tackles. Um, he gets sacks. They put him in almost like a linebacker role. He can play the center field role. I love the one tape, the versatility. He had the seven interceptions. He returned one, I believe, for a touchdown, and the game I saw, uh, he had, like I said, he had uh, you know, three games, or three or four games with over ten tackles. He was dominant in that Penn State game with a couple picks and ten-plus tackles. He saved the Fresno State game in overtime when he showed great range and hands coming through with that interception in the end zone. Nine career interceptions he uh, said uh, the, you know he, he had the injuries though, and that 's the issue you know he had uh, two separate injuries he had the uh, hamstring in two thousand and seventeen and then he had the uh, the foot injury uh, in 2018. So you know, 2016 he's healthy, does a great job. 2019 does a great job. But two years of two years of great play, two years of injury is the why, reason why there's some reservation about moving him up too far, or some hesitancy, I should say. His father was a great player at Ohio State, then in the NFL. Um, this kid has feel. You know about it factor, feel for the game, instincts for the game. Uh, that's Antonio Winfield Jr. I have him from the Minnesota. You could have put him somewhere else in the late first. I, I, he's not getting past the early to mid-second, in my opinion. And I think he's a definite... He, he plays like a first-rounder, put it that way. Uh, no, uh, thanks for doing this again. Uh, the Bears have two picks in the, the first half of the second round there. I'm curious if there's a position group that you find particularly deep where there may be some first-rounders there. Uh, I, I specifically even on the offensive line side, and what else you've heard about uh, what the Bears might be interested in? Well, I think the offensive line is going to be very, I'd say, uh, tricky to try to find somebody, uh, whether it be tackle or guard. More so guard will be easier. Tackle is going to be, depending upon your scouting, do you like, let's say, Matt Peart from Connecticut. It's a good developmental tackle. Uh, Austin Jackson, USC, and Todd Adam in the first. I didn't. I think he needs a lot of technique work. Uh, he's going to be much more consistent. We saw what happened when he went up against Epinesa. Uh, I think if you look at the guard position, you can find guys. And I think uh, mentioned Ben Bredesen. I think uh, Logan Stenberg from Kentucky is another one. Robert Hunt, Louisiana Lafayette, has versatility. So I think there will be some linemen uh, if you do a good job in terms of your scouting uh, to find those guys. I mentioned some of the tight ends as well that could be factors in that second or third round mix. But in terms of the linemen, in terms of tackle, I would say Matt Peart from Connecticut, uh, Charles from LSU, and Jackson from USC. Yeah, thanks, Mel. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, you're looking at uh Kenlaw at 13 for the Colts, and uh, you mentioned a possible cornerback. Uh, who do you think uh, they might take at cornerback, and if, do you see defense being a lock? Secondly, uh, who do you feel like the Colts might take with that 34th pick in the second round? Yeah, I think that when you look at the Colts and you look at what they really need and, and you go through that team, if they could add a guy like Kinlaw on the defensive line, then get a receiver. And I, I think a receiver is a critical part of this whole thing, uh, whether it's Brissett or whoever the quarterback may be. Uh, and then, obviously, you can look down the line at a corner. I think, and I'll just throw out some receivers. I think when you look in, in that area, K.J. Hamler from Penn State, a LaVisca Chanel, Jr. from Colorado would be guys to look at there. If you're looking for corners uh, in that area, uh, a couple guys I really think could be good picks at that point. I think Jalen Johnson from Utah with his size and his potential uh, could be a guy. Christian Fulton could very easily fall into the second round out of LSU. Uh, Jeff Gladney out of TCU could certainly be in the second round Nick. So uh, there's going to be some corners in round two that have a lot of ability. And also, as I say, some of those receivers I mentioned. But those, I think receiver, you've got to find somebody to take pressure off. Which you, know, you think about Hilton, you think about all the pressure was on him to be the guy. Um, Uh, We'll see what happens with some of the other guys uh, as they emerge. But I think wide receiver, uh, corner, and if they can get a Kinlaw in the first round, that would be a big help. Hey, Mel, do you think there's there's any chance that uh, Isaiah Simmons could slip to 12? And if he didn't, would it be worth packaging 12 and 19 to get him? What do you have the Raiders doing? Well, linebacker's a need, and I just don't think Simmons is going to be there at twelve. So, uh, yeah, I think you'd have to get ahead of Jacksonville at nine. Uh, there's a possibility the Giants could be looking at him in at a four. Uh, so between four and nine for Simmons, uh, just a great player, very versatile. Which I think that versatility may hurt him a bit. This is not a defined role, inside, outside. You know, you know safety role. You know, he can cover. He can flip the hips and run like a corner safety. We've seen that down the field. Uh, we seen him get after the quarterback. Saw that early in the Ohio State and the um, in the LSU game. Um, so I think. Uh, he's I, have, I have Kenneth Murray going there at 19, linebacker from Oklahoma, and I have them taking uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, at 12. So you get the linebacker, whether it's Murray or Patrick Queen from LSU at 19, and you get the receiver, be it CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma or be it Judy from Alabama at number 12. Hey, Mel. Uh, Nebraska ended its 56-year NFL draft streak last year. It has three, or, I'm sorry, four uh, prospects at the Combine this year, three D-linemen and the Davis twins, uh, Darian Daniels, and a former Lamar Jackson. I'm curious, how would you evaluate that group's draft stock right now? And then as a follow-up, what's the best thing a defensive lineman who's maybe on the fringe of the draft can do to impress teams at the combine? Um, I'd say as far as the group of Nebraska Cornhusker players, uh, you know, I Lamar Jackson, because of the size and the way he played, I mean, he's a big physical corner. He's got some versatility there, like what I saw with him on tape. Um, I think he's more of a fourth-round type guy, fourth-fifth-round type of player. Um, I think in terms of Daniels up front, he's got a chance. Uh, as they, as, well, I think they have all have a chance to make a team, but Daniels certainly has a, an awful lot of ability. Um, but I would say of, the, of all the Nebraska players, I would think that uh, Lamar Jackson, Jackson will be the guy. In terms of a defensive lineman, uh, late uh, to def- go to the defensive tackle spot. Um, Robert Windsor, Penn State, when I say late, maybe fourth round for him. Uh, Omar Murchison from NC State, maybe later rounds. Maybe when he gets into the day three area, could be a good pick. Uh, but I think Windsor, if you look at that fourth, fifth round area, maybe a little higher from Penn State, let's say Murchison from, from NC State, more of a day three guy. I, know. I wanted to ask you about another Michigan guy. Uh, Lavert Hill isn't the biggest biggest corner out there, but he's been Michigan's top corner for a few years now. A lot of experience playing man-to-man. How do you think he fits into this draft? Yeah, as a cover guy, uh, and as a nickel-dime, I think there's certainly you need four or five corners now, and that's the way the league is. You've got to be able to match up in coverage against all these receiving options that teams have now. The size and the, the lack of physicality is important, especially with tackling and being able to be a guy you can trust in that area when you're one-on-one. You've got to be able to make a play uh, and not allow yards after the catch or take down a running back tight end. You've got to be able to make those plays in open space, and uh, that's a question about the LaVert Hill. As a cover guy, though, he showed uh, uh, he can get the job done, so I... But today's the game, the way it's played, I could see him, if he tests great, to end up being in that, I'd say, third to fifth round. Hey, Mel, I uh, wanted to ask you about a couple of Auburn prospects. Uh, sure. i you tell you, uh, Noah Benogany going late in the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. just what stands out about him as a prospect, especially as a guy who's only played corner for a couple of years? And then where do you see Marlon Davidson going, and just how much has his stock improved over the last year? Yeah, I think in terms of Gobani, you talk about a guy who was a former receiver uh, who played well at corner, has the kickoff return experience where he's been dynamic. There, it's not as much of a factor as it used to be, but it's still there. Uh, so I think it's a it's a plus for him. Uh, but the improvement that he showed, uh, the tackling ability got better. Um, I think just his overall awareness and coverage improved um, to the point where I would say he one of the faster corners in this draft. Is not the fastest. I think he's a first round pick, and I think when you look at teams in the late first rounds, just look. New Orleans uh, could be a possibility. Minnesota could be a possibility there. You uh, get into the late first certainly. I think it was there for Kansas City. I had him go in there and Mach uh, 1.0. Uh, I think Davidson. The versatility with him, you know, the, uh, is going to help him. Senior Bowl week obviously did. He got better this year in terms of just uh, you know the technique and the pass rush moves and all that. Uh, I think he's a second round pick. Uh, something maybe first. I think more second round for him. And then if you look for one of the faster players in the draft, it's going to be cornerback Javaris Davis. Uh, you know, from Auburn, who's, uh, you know, the cousins of uh, both play in the NFL. Um, and certainly he will have a chance as one of the faster cornerbacks uh, to have a shot to, to make a team as a nickel corner. With Steve Cunn re-signing D.J. Humphreys yesterday, 3 three-year deal, right. can you see the Cardinals maybe go in a different route than tackle? I know, again, I'm taking wharfs, but what, a, what about Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb? Is that a possibility with Kingsbury-Murray connection there? yeah it definitely is, and i I certainly thought about that when I did the mock, and always, you always do this type of thing and and yeah, you look at who the, the worst was a right tackle, and I think that's where you think he played two games at left tackle um, is a little high for that receiver at eight, you know Judy or lamb uh you could argue no uh, that they they could be taken that high, and, it, and some will even say worse is a little high at eight because there's mixed opinion on him, so no, I would have no problem at all. and I thought about that uh, with c d lamb uh and of course I thought of you know, about Jerry Judy, both those receivers. Were would make sense. So, no, they could go that route, but keep in mind, where Werfs can play right, left, you can, you can always kick your tackles inside the guard. Initially, I mentioned those Ogden and others, that's where they started out their career. So, if they want to protect their franchise in... Kyler Murray, you go with the offensive lineman. Or if you want to uh, try to give him another weapon, you take Lambert, Judy. So I would have no problem at all if they went wide receiver at eight. Hey, Mel, uh, just curious where you see the Bucs going at 14. I know O-line, D-line's a concern, and, and they seem committed to maybe adding a quarterback uh, second or third day. What what might be a good fit there? Yeah, I think if you look at – I'll go real quick to the quarterback thing. If you're looking for, you know, a uh, day two possibility um, – you know, you're looking at Jake Fromm, uh, you know, Jacob Eason. Maybe if he doesn't go in the first, he drops to the second, or Jordan Love from Utah State. But Fromm would be more of the guy that I would pretty much say would be second or third round. Uh, but Steven Montez, Colorado, has size, has arm talent, but is very inconsistent, erratic. He would be a day three guy. Cole McDonald, Hawaii, has some arm talent, is a day three guy. James Morgan, Florida International, would be another to throw in there. In terms of Kinlaw, uh, I just, as I said earlier, I think he's a dynamic talent. Uh, he can wreak havoc in the backfield, which is important. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was gone by uh, by thirteen. Um, if you look at Chaseon, uh, you know, going to Tampa Bay to give them the pass rush, uh, that would be somebody to look at. I think he or Epinesa is pass rushers. Epinesa is a defensive end. Chaseon's an outside backer. Uh, so I think Chason would be a guy who would fill that void and give them something that they really need. Uh, first of all, thanks a lot, Mel, for doing this. We all appreciate it. Um, sure, no problem. A couple of first-round Georgia guys and a couple of Georgia linemen.
0: And forgive me if you've already answered. Um, Could you
1: give me uh, some ideas on Andrew Thomas and DeAndre Swift and then on offensive linemen Solomon Kinley and Isaiah Wilson? Yeah, I have uh, you know, Kinley, I have a third, fourth round grade on Wilson. I have a fourth round grade on. I thought he should have gone back. I thought of Wilson. I would have gone back to Georgia. But Swift, I have going to Miami at twenty six. He's still the number one running back because he's more complete than the other two in terms of running, catching, and blocking. Uh, particularly catching that out of the backfield, he's been more reliable in terms of not fumbling the football. So that's why he's the first running back off the board. I think right around where we saw Josh Jacobs go last year. So I have a twenty six to Miami. I have Andrew Thomas at eighteen to Miami. I both Ashley Georgia Bulldogs going to. Dolphins. So Thomas, like I said before, you know he's still not where he needs to be. He's not a finished product, uh, and at 18, he would be a developmental left tackle. And Swift will be an immediate starter at running back.